podcasters, assemble! Hello, this is Taylor, Brian, and Jorge from Are We Friends? Hey everyone, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. Hi, I'm Jason from the Drinkopedia Podcast. Hi, this is Arjuna Gonzalez from Thoughts from the Level Editor. This is Troidal Power from the Power Playthroughs Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Becky, Troy's wife. And this is... Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. What a change this film was, right? Like, immediately, Thor sounds more like a sarcastic sort of character. Like, look... Watch Thor, like for those of you that are doing the big rewatch, right? Just going from Thor, just a random clip of Thor being Thor in Thor, 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 to him in Thor Ragnarok. Now, again, the way the MCU works is the years between the films happen, right? So these films, generally speaking, so these films are years later. So this is years after Thor has spent a lot of time on Earth helping take down Hydra, uh, dealing in not Captain America Civil War, but in the the... Uh, events of the two Avengers films, as well as his own two previous films. So I guess it makes sense that he would pick up some snark or some slang. He talks more naturally. I like the first two Thor movies just fine. There's nothing wrong with them. They're both fun, but they don't quite seem to know exactly what kind of movie they're going to be. At least until Thor Ragnarok comes out. And now, now that Thor Ragnarok exists, those movies are a lot harder to watch because Thor Ragnarok is just completely fantastic. And we get sort of the um, Hulk, uh, Planet Hulk storyline intermixed with the Ragnarok storyline that was famously told uh, in the, the Thor comic books where, boy, and it's this whole thing, like Surtur and his sword is a huge deal in the Thor comics because he is slowly introduced over like eight issues where like there's one page at the end of the Thor comics and you just know this guy is building this sword and we don't know what the deal is with this sword and you find out that it's Surtur making the sword he will use to destroy Asgard. It's this really cool thing uh, if you're a comic book fan at all and want to go back and read some, granted, older comics, but very good. The tone gets set perfectly right away with Thor telling the story of, uh, you may be wondering how I got here, to a skeleton. And it's just, it's completely ridiculous right off the bat. And it establishes that this is going to be a really silly movie, which is a, a, a little bit different from what Thor has been before. Yeah, that uh, that first villain he has with the literal devil in space or whatever that guy is, uh, it was... Like you were way too confident. Like you, y y I am not on your side, hero. You need to be brought down a peg right now. And I am so happy that he was. And that was my favorite hero moment when we took Thor's stuff away from Thor. In the battle with Surtur's goons, we find out that this movie is going to be silly, but it's also going to have some fun action. 
because Thor is just completely destroying hordes of enemies as Immigrant Song plays. And it's so, so, so good. So the one thing I actually really liked about this movie um, and the one choice that I, the many choices I loved from director Taika Waititi was using Immigrant Song in this. The first one where he's beating up all of Surtur's, you know, hell minions or demons and that sort of thing. When it's just flying around everywhere, that's really awesome. Yeah, I actually lied. My favorite villain moment is when Thor gets there and Loki is pretending to be Odin and is watching the play of his own exploits. <laughs> With a great cameo of Mr. Matt Damon playing actor Loki. That was the best part. Um... I also love uh, Doctor how just sassy Doctor Strange is. Like, oh, you're a god? Well, I do magic tricks, so like, fuck you. <laughs> it just keeps filling his beer and stuff. Like, I, I love that attitude that Doctor Strange has. And the one other line I do want to give to Thor, because I didn't want to be like, he's just an idiot in that, you know, he doesn't say anything good. Uh, when he's talking to Doctor Strange, his back and forth with him about being in contact. Thor goes, we're looking for my father. And Doctor Strange goes, so, if... I were to tell you where Odin was, all parties concerned would promptly return to Asgard? Thor responds, promptly. And Doctor Strange goes, great, then I'll help you. Thor goes, if you knew where he was, why didn't you call me? Doctor Strange goes, I have to tell you, he was adamant that he not be disturbed. Your father said he had chosen to remain in exile. And you don't have a phone. Thor goes, no, but you could have... Sent me an e an electronic letter. I believe it's called an email. Strange goes, yeah, do you have a computer? Thor responds with, no, what for? Um, the one other thing that I really did enjoy was um, in the Doctor Strange sequence at the beginning of the film where Loki has been put away into a portal by Doctor Strange so that Thor and him can talk. And Loki is finally brought back again and he just falls down exhausted going, I've been falling for 30 minutes. <laughs> and it's whenever they do this, the audio gag of, oh! <laughs> it's just, you hear it coming from a long way and you, you know, hit the ground. I love that. And it's, it was good. Uh, so the villain in this was um, Hela played by Kate Blanchett. Uh, she looked really, really cool, and I personally just love me some Kate Blanchett. I think she is super good. And that idea of Hela being his sister and being around the whole time, I thought was also kind of um, weird. It felt like that whole shoehorn, like, oh, we're just going to say this is this thing you didn't know, kind of sort of a retcon instead of building on the world that was already there. My favorite villain moment is how they got Kate Blanchett to just rock the black hair and, and dark mascara makeup look. Whatever that is, it is uh, it is hidden all the right notes. That is a fantastic look. She is the she is the dark elf of my dreams. Let me tell you, she's not an elf in this movie. She was an elf in another movie. That's irrelevant. But she can do. She can stab me with a bajillion swords. I don't care. Feed me to her pet wolf. It's all great. And another one that really stands out to me is the part where Hela shows up just after Odin dies, and 
Thor launches Mjolnir at her, but she grabs it in midair and destroys it. We've seen so many movies where Thor kicks so many different types of ass with that thing, and she just crumbles it. Oh no, my oh my favorite villain moment where's is and she's in the middle of Asgard and she's in like the, the, the throne room of Odin and she looks up at this palatial like Sistine Chapel roof and she goes, uh-uh, uh-uh, that ain't how it went down, and she tears it down and shows like the brutal like, colonizing slave writing history of Asgard. Just oh shit, this is this is dark. Alright. My favorite villain moment, there's several different candidates for this. The first might be the one where Hela goes into the vault and she takes out the eternal flame and smashes through the floor to this giant burial chamber for all the different warriors of Asgard who have died over the years, as well as her giant wolf Fenris. And she causes a little zombie apocalypse in Asgard, and the CG is really well done, and it's pretty intimidating seeing all those soldiers show up there. I wish Hela got a little more to do in terms of interacting directly with Thor. Um, we, we don't get to see a lot of her versus Thor in this movie, but I like what we get from her a lot. She is intense and scary in a really interesting way. And I, I think that we see that uh, a lot right in her first introduction to the Asgardians. It's come to my attention that you don't know who I am. I am Hela, Odin's firstborn, the commander of the legions of Asgard, the rightful heir to the throne, and the goddess of death. My father is dead, as are the princes. You're welcome. We were once the seed of absolute power in the cosmos. Our supremacy was unchallenged. Yet Odin stopped at nine realms. Our destiny is to rule over all others. And I am here to restore that power. Kneel before me and rise into the ranks of my great conquest. And they don't kneel, so she just murders them all, because uh, Hel is also the goddess of throwing swords that appear out of nowhere, apparently. There is some weird stuff there in terms of Odin just being like, yep. Like, they were setting that up as being its own thing. After, after Doctor Strange, right, they were kind of setting it up as the whole thing is we're searching for Odin on Earth, which was a storyline from the comic books where Odin was on Earth for a while. Uh... But it, it kind of just didn't happen. It's just sort of like, yeah, okay, sort of, we'll sort of do that. It's what happens when somebody writes something and then hands it off to another writer. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that. That was your story. That was the thing you would do next if you did. I'm doing something else. And we end up on Sakaar. I really love Valkyrie in this movie. I think she's fantastic right from the first moment we see her. Thor has kind of been dumped on Sakaar uh, and is surrounded by by people who are actually taking him down for once. We, we see Thor right away on Sakaar be not as powerful as he has been before. And then Valkyrie shows up and she's got this big old ship. She's got guns pointed at, uh, at all these goons. And then we see Valkyrie show up. She's got this big old ship. She comes walking out of it. She looks all cool and she's like, he's mine. And then she just drunkenly stumbles off the side of the ramp on her ship. 
and like again we get this establishment of tone right away that like there's intensity here but also goofiness one of the newcomers in this in ragnarok is valkyrie played by tessa thompson she's really fucking good um she is she's just excellent she has uh a lot of good charisma and chemistry with thor and with mark ruffalo and with pretty much everybody and just in case you were gonna not take her seriously just because she fell off the ship she then like has these gauntlets that let her remote control mini guns attached to the side of the thing and just lays waste to everyone around she's very good Another good villain moment is the whole sequence leading up to the introduction of the Grand Master on Sakaar, where Thor is strapped into this chair and he's being led through this weird sequence explaining what Sakaar is and the tournament that goes on in there. And it's all done in a way to, like, parody the acid trip sequence from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, like playing the song about living in a world of pure imagination in the background and then the lighting goes really weird and then Thor just screams and then we're introduced to Jeff Goldblum's character, Jeff Goldblum and the Death Factory. You have ridiculous, super brightly colored spectacle you know, uh, scenes and sequences. I think that's great. You have Jeff Goldblum, who I don't think they even gave him. I th I'm fairly positive 90% of his dialogue is improvised. I think they just sort of told him kind of what direction to go in because there are scenes where he just goes. He just he's like, and go be Jeff Goldblum. You're going to seem like an alien. It's perfect. Okay. I know this was a really good Thor movie for Thor, but he undoubtedly does not have the best line of dialogue in this movie. I don't know who does, but my leaning is towards uh, Korg, the rock man played by the director, Taika Waititi. Korg is so good, and he's rarely better than at the end of the scene where Loki has come to visit Thor in the, uh, the 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 prison or dungeon or whatever, uh, and he's he's appeared as an illusion and he disappears. And just as he disappears, Korg runs over and goes, "Piss, Piss off, off, ghost!" Where he runs at the Loki uh, image that is just left, and he kicks at it. Um, I also love his description of how he got to the gladiatorial arena on Sakar because <laughs> he wanted to start a revolution but didn't print out enough pamphlets and that was the downfall yeah. of his revolution thor has been um trapped on this um planet and um he is now being selected as a contender and so um they're getting him ready for his um, debut fight and um, they have him strapped to a chair and there's this weird alien barber which ends up being Stan Lee um, and he's got some some rusty um, scissors and Stan Lee goes now don't you move my hands ain't as steady as they used to be and Thor responds with, by Odin's beard you shall not cut my hair lest you feel the wrath of the mighty Thor and the the barber turns on his little 
cutting tool and Thor freaks out and then he's like, please, please, kind sir, do not cut my hair. No. Also, the, the glow up that Thor does, uh, was that montage? Did that feel like a uh, young man going to war where he kind of gets like slapped in the chair and they shave your hair like they cut your hair and they gave you a number and they told you to fire at your brother? Um, like it, it had that montage feel to me. And then they reveal Thor with short hair, which totally by far hotter, hotter look. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Stanley. The one thing I always get iffy about with Marvel movies is sometimes with certain ones, they have a bit of a, like a Marvelized style to them where they're kind of these, they're fine looking, but they're not doing anything crazy. They're not doing anything like ridiculous production wise. And this is one of them that is not like that at all. The first two Thor movies, though like big and grand in what they were doing, felt kind of just like comic book generic Marvel movies. This feels like its own movie. Like, I can think about the costumes in this, the the weird lipstick that Jeff Goldblum has and the crazy hair and the ridiculous outfits that him, that he makes like Valkyrie and all these people like wear in this culture. How the like barbarians and raiders look here. Even Thor's new look is like such a glow up for him because he was always just long haired, whatever surfer Thor. And then he gets this sweet, you know, cut like haircut and the two red streaks down his, like, face near his eye. He just looks like a total badass. And it's really... Ty a huge props to Taika Waititi for being like, Hey, I'm also going to do what Guardians did in the sense of having my own voice. And having that come through loud and clear in this movie. Thor goes into the arena... And he's waiting um, for his contender to come out and um, it, or his opponent to come out. And he realizes it's Hulk. And he's like, hey, we know each other. He's a friend from work. And he's like, where have you been? Everybody thought you were dead. So much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer like yesterday. So that's still pretty fresh. And then he looks up towards the uh, towards the stands, and he's, he's Loki. Look who it is! Um, but my favorite fighting scene is actually in the Coliseum. I, it's dope when a hero is just slashing through a bunch of minions. But me, I like the I like two two biggies going after each other. Uh, so the thing I actually liked about this movie was Thor wasn't doing his usual like traditional I'm. Thor stuff. He wasn't being all serious. Uh, he was having a lot of fun. He was had a lot of jokes at his expense, which was good for once. Um, but I really did love the big hero shot when he gets uh, the lightning for the first time in the arena with Hulk. And he mm -hmm. actually is like really, you know, cool looking. He's got all the lightning eyes. That stuff was just... <clears throat> It was good to see after all those jokes that were happening through like the first third to half of the film, him actually look really tough and cool again. And it was more earned than the usual times where we see Thor being all just, I'm a cool guy. After the big fight between Thor 
and the Hulk. And Thor wakes up in Hulk's room, and Hulk is in the hot tub, and Thor is talking to him, trying to figure out how he got to Sakaar, and where the Quinjet is from the end of Captain America Age of Ultron. And Hulk gets up out of the hot tub. He had, like, the biggest energy just walking straight out of the tub naked to point out the Quinjet to <laughs> Thor. He was just like, whatever, dude. And I'm like, you're a hero. <laughs> and he isn't wearing a towel. Now, way back in Age of Ultron, there's one line where Iron Man uh, tells Black Widow, I hope you and Banner aren't off playing hide the zucchini. Well, Thor sees the zucchini. Okay. And he's all like, he's naked. He's very naked. That it's in my brain now. Another thing um, I did actually like was more use of the Hulk because so far his track record had not been very good in the MCU. So finally seeing him get more character, uh, be more interesting, be more eloquent, to be honest. I know we talked about how he cinder blocked kind of sentences together, but he did provide sentences and motivations and thoughts on things. His little interaction with Thor calling himself, he's like, Hulk raging fire, Thor smoldering fire. <laughs> Thor's like, I think our fire is just as big. Like, I <laughs> But it was good to see the Hulk actually do stuff instead of being in the background punching some things. The character work they did with the Hulk, also very interesting. The idea of him being stuck as the Hulk long enough for him to actually grow and learn and, and become um, a bit more eloquent of a character. But then, of course, we have the whole, oh, if I turn back one more time, I'll never turn back. We don't. And, of course, that's you know not really the case. They don't even mention that in, in the next Avengers film. I also love that... Um, and I don't, I don't know if this is positive or not, but I love seeing Hulk like having to put together words like a, a cinder block, like blocks in a child's playroom because they had to give him more script this time rather than just like uh, smash. So Hulk is just, I like winning. I continue <laughs> win. It's just like, whoever that whoever the the scriptwriter was, the screenwriter was for this movie, like kudos for making giving Hulk lines without making it seem like okay, now the Hulk talks now. It, like it still felt like uh, I'm the Hulk. Uh, <laughs> Hulk. <laughs> My favorite line of dialogue is in the scene where Thor and the Valkyrie and Hulk are plotting their escape. And they know they need a ship in order to get out of there, and a really good one in order to pass through the Devil's Anus, which is what the portal to Asgard is called. And Loki, it turns out, has access codes for the ships. And he says, I've run out of favor with the Grandmaster. And in exchange for codes and access to the ship, I'm asking for safe passage through the Anus. Yes. 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 Again, we have to deal with the whole Loki sort of redemption, sort of not thing. And I, I've heard things that they're going to say it's because when he had the staff he got from Thanos that it made him more evil. I don't buy it. I don't like it. They talk about when they were kids and Loki tried to kill him all the time. So, yeah, that's hard for me to buy. I don't think anyone's going to really think of this as an action scene, but it's uh, it's when Thor and Loki are having the elevator sequence. Uh, I think all great scenes happen in elevators. I think all great scenes happen between two brothers. 
Uh, and they have a nice moment. We get a little backstory into their childhood, and they do the bit where they're like, "You want you want to do that that thing we've always done?" A little inside joke. I don't want to do it. Humility from Tom Hiddleston, just great acting. He he chucks his brother at a group of individuals. I think that's really great. I think it's brotherly love, and I think it's a funny scene, and it's honestly the best action scene because uh, <laughs> this movie's a little lackluster in action scenes. I love Taika Waititi as a director. Comedy is his strong bit. Let's be honest. The part where Thor goes Super Saiyan, for lack of a better expression, to the kick-ass music that they play in the background, and he beats up a whole bunch of zombie soldiers. That was that's also a good part of it. And then, yeah, his uh, big fight on the bridge where immigrant song comes back on he's just all lightning all powerful the mighty thor for once like it's really satisfying i will say that the soundtrack on this movie is good uh it's not iron man 2 but it's good like the use of immigrant song at the final battle scene where thor has gone super saiyan and he's punching everybody with his lightning bolts and such that was just a great scene, and it was that much better for the choice of music. There's no ACDC or Daft Punk, but it definitely stands out from a lot of the other movies that we've watched so far. Uh, I thought the way that they dealt with the Executioner was um, okay. Again, it was that really hard comic relief stuff. All of the people of Asgard are being ushered onto a aircraft um, that Loki brought, and um, they're fighting on the Rainbow Bridge, um, fighting Hela's rabid dog and all the things that she brought back to life. Um, and Scourge, who was the only person who was with Hela and helping her, um, he actually like put a cloak over himself and got onto the um, aircraft. Um, and he was like covering himself and then the um the dead things that hella brought back to life were um like making a like they shot up this big rock through the side of the the aircraft and then um they were all climbing up it to get onto the aircraft and i think they're called butchers um and so like a bunch of people are like huddled and scared and um their um scourge uncovers himself and has two guns in his hand machine guns and starts shooting them um and the camera pans around to him and he's um you know he's shooting all of them with his guns and then um he jumps off of the um the aircraft and says for Asgard and I thought that was really co cool that um he kind of turned around to help the people of Asgard instead of killing people for Hela so um he actually got killed in that after he leapt off so it's really cool um and as Troy pointed out earlier um I don't generally like villains I have I don't I don't like people that are bad that's that's my thing I just I don't like villains um and so um, the only time that I usually have a favorite villain moment in a movie is redemption, um, villain redemption moments, which this definitely was. And 
um, it was really good. And Scourge, redeeming himself at the end, where he's got his two assault rifles and he's shooting the zombie soldiers. When he gets out of the ship and gets down onto the pile of them and he's pointing them down and shooting at the zombie soldiers around him, for a few seconds, it's the classic cover of Doom and Duke Nukem 3D, but it's in a Marvel movie, which is awesome. I like the Hulk as a character. I don't like the Hulk in the MCU because the Hulk just isn't as strongly as he ever has been. They just continually nerf him to the to the point where his big finish is that he beats a dog. Let's just have the Hulk beat up on a dog for a bit. That's what the Hulk can beat. It's just a dog. There are legions, but we have a pupper that needs a spanking. And so you take care of the dog. And just like before that, he's just beating clearly not nearly in the Hulk range of power stuff. And that's what he ends up as. Like I thought that Ragnarok was loosely based on Planet Hulk, at least when they're at Sakaar. And doesn't he like become the emperor supreme of that planet just by kicking ass and taking names and hulking out. My favorite action scene would be the final battle at the end of the movie. Just seeing Hulk fighting something that is way larger than him, that's always awesome, especially when it's something as intimidating as Fenris. But uh, another one that bothered me was Hela gets defeated by that demon devil boy. Surtur. And I guess it's after he gets that fire, but like it's just weird that Thor was able to easily beat him, and then he's able to easily beat Hela, who is able to easily beat Thor. Everything changed in this film. Thor changed completely into more of a comedic character. Like, he always was sort of the comic relief, but it was more because he didn't understand things. Now it's because he does. Like, he's not this crazy, headstrong guy anymore, which means we actually got character growth, which is something you don't necessarily see in a lot of these films, right? Like, Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible movies, he doesn't change from film to film. Not really. He trusts somebody he shouldn't. And then something happens, right? There's So here we actually get character growth in Thor, um, and then everybody else around him gets to serve as sort of the comic relief. As for anything else, so I, I get that they're trying to take Thor in a more comedic direction, but I'm sorry, as great an actor as Chris Hemsworth is, he's no Robert Downey Jr. Like, some of these some of his lines did land, but nothing was so good that it made it into my favorite line of dialogue, you know? And maybe you can say that this is just the natural result of Thor going on adventures outside of Asgard, and that's just sort of where the character has to d develop. But most of the laughs in the first Thor movie, I didn't see the Dark World, I admit, came from he's raised in Asgard and doesn't really know what other worlds are like, and the contrast of that can make for some funny moments. Maybe it's just different writing, but it didn't really land with me, as well as some of these other movies have landed. In keeping with the trilogies uh, and wrapping up story arcs for characters, I think Thor Ragnarok does beautifully the completion of Thor's arc. In terms of hero moments, we're finally seeing a prince become a king. I think that's a, that's a great moment. I think that there's been a lot of maturity for Thor. 
I think that's a big aspect of his character is that he is kind of this arrogant guy who's had it all, can do anything he wants, and for him to face so, so much humility throughout the entire journey of the MCU, to finally be able to take that crown, to take that throne, is huge. And I, I really enjoy that Taika Waititi took it there with Thor Ragnarok, because now he's king of basically nothing. Uh, but I like it. Like, it's a film where they allowed it to take more chances by giving it over to somebody like Taika Waititi. And again, this is the same as when I talk about Ant-Man and how I wish they had kept Edgar Wright on. You know, it was said that apparently he left because of problems with the studio and Joss Whedon left because of problems with the studio, uh, though that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. I think Joss Whedon leaving and the Russo brothers came in, grew up the MCU a little bit. Like the Harry Potter books and films get more adult as you go on. I like that the MCU did that as well. We'll say that. Going back, though, Thor Ragnarok is a big, big bright cartoon of a movie. Okay. Favorite dangling thread... So Asgard got destroyed and the Tesseract, what happened to that? And after I wrote this down, I went back and rewatched parts of the movie and... Okay, so Loki looks over at the Tesseract as he's reviving the demon that will destroy Asgard. And then they cut away. Did he make off with the Tesseract when he got on the ship? I like that there were real consequences here. I like Thor losing his eye. I like the idea of Asgard being destroyed. With this new movie, Thor becomes the king of Asgard. But as we know, Asgard is no more. And what's left of it is a spaceship full of people. And so what does that really mean for the future of Thor? One, uh, he has to now take the role of king. He has to take the role of leader. Uh, and that'll definitely be an interesting arc for Thor to go through. One, and then two what will happen to Asgard? Uh, as of right now, it's just a bunch of people on a boat. And uh, if history has anything to tell us, it's that sometimes people on a boat, it works out. And sometimes it really doesn't work out. Uh, so hopefully it'll work out for the Asgardians. Who knows? Um, in spite, So I watched this for the first time back to back. Uh, cheek to cheek with Spider-Man Homecoming, and it was very enjoyable. Uh, like it stood on its own after I just got out of Spider-Man Homecoming, which is a movie that, that just jacked me the hell up. And this movie still like got me going as well. So kudos to that. Yep, three boys way up. Oh yeah, three boys saluting at attention, just like the military. Um, yeah. Do you want to do a podcaster's assemble? Yeah, absolutely. But I love that we're cosmic. I love that we're starting to explore the universe more. I think that's important stepping stone for the Marvel films. So yay for Thor Ragnarok. This movie is definitely the best of the Thor movies of all. And I think that has to do a huge part with Taika Waititi's direction. I think Marvel has really allowed their directors as of recent to be weird. And two, to get weird. And that's definitely what happened with this movie. You know, aesthetically, there was a lot of nods to Jack Kirby, who was instrumental to Marvel Comics in its birth. Uh, and Chris Hemsworth himself, along with being a super attractive dude, is also super funny. Uh, he's great at improvisation, and his comedic timing is really fantastic. And I think Taika Waititi really played to those uh, aspects and those strengths of his. And Chris Hemsworth himself really said that he was getting tired of the character that if it wasn't for this film, he would have ended his contract the same as Chris Evans. 
and would have walked away from Marvel with whatever direction they wanted to go with. One, this movie is a breath of fresh air for us fans, but also the fact that it's a breath of fresh air for Chris Hemsworth as well does really well for the character going forward. I think he's going to continue his future uh, with Marvel, and I think it's going to be great, and I think it's going to be different and weird every single time, and I think that's going to be exciting for us going into the future. Podcasters Assemble Probably is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably podcast network. This episode edited and produced by me, Troidal Power. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to join the initiative and contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble Probably by looking us up on Twitter as at Casters Assemble. Submissions are always open. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for links to all the places you can find them online. Special thanks to executive producer Tyler Thornton for keeping this show on track. I like it when he tells the story about picking up that snake that turns out to be Loki. Yeah, and then he stabbed me in the chest. <laughs> so great. And just a little bit of he knows I love snakes. And <laughs> Podcasters Assemble probably will return in Black Panther. Now I can't open the door. Um, okay.